How's it going? How's it going, everybody? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And in this broadcast, we're going to kind of switch up gears here a little bit. And we're going to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart, and that is evangelism. I'm an evangelist. Uh, that I'm an evangelist first and foremost. That's what I focus on. Uh, it's what I specialize in. That's my uh, calling of the Lord. Isaiah, let me, but after I got born again, saved, told me this, uh, and they put in me a desire to go out and to share the gospel. I'm not a, a deep theologian. Um, I'm not some deep scholar in any way, shape, or form of that. Um, but I do know the gospel, and I know the gospel well, and it's on my heart, every fiber of my being, to go and tell people the gospel of Jesus Christ, how to be born again saved, and how to do, do it, to, how to preach this and teach this simply. So what we're going to be doing today is just going to take our time and we're just going to run through this. I've got a few points on how to give the gospel. Again, this would be a system that I've learned. This is the system that I use. And it's just a simple four-step technique that we're going to be looking at the law, the person of Christ, repentance, and grace. So these four, so if you're taking notes for today, jot those down, those four points, and, and we're going to be looking at each of those. We're going to be exploring each of those, and we're going to be learning how to show the gospel of Jesus Christ competently by using those four points. So that's what today's going to be about is competence on sharing the gospel. Okay, so firstly, we're going to be taking a look at Ephesians chapter 4. This is going to be our springboard for today, Ephesians chapter 4. Now, some people say, well, I'm not an evangelist or I don't, I don't feel that's my calling. Okay, I understand that, but bear with me one second. Ephesians 4.11 and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some teachers, some preachers and teachers. So we see evangelism, uh, being an evangelist, is a specific calling. Not all are evangelists, but that does not mean that you get a, a, a free escape on that. Because even though you may not be an evangelist, we are all called by the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a commandment of God. It would go back to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every teacher. He gave some evangelists and preachers and teachers. So we see preaching is proliferation. This is just the declaring of the faith. So what we see by Mark 16, 15, is it, it is a commandment of God himself to be able to share the gospel with everybody. You're supposed to. It's a commandment of God. There's no escape from that. So, therefore, the onus is upon us to learn how to do so properly, competently, uh, biblically. So, we all need to learn how to give the gospel. And that's what we're going to be looking at today how to give the gospel just in and of itself, just in a generic sense. I'm not going to be focusing primarily on 
evangelistic style or pastor or preacher style from the pulpit or one-on-one teacher, but in general, just how to give the gospel. Because this actually is a point that I find very, very sad. It's very sad. When you look at the the, the way Christianity is today, uh, how the vast majority of Christians say they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll say that they they believe that Jesus is crucified, buried, risen again, and that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved, but they don't know how to explain it. Um, how do you know you're saved? How do you know you're saved? So think about that one. If you don't know how to give the gospel, how do you know you're believing correctly? So it just it brings in so many questions. Like how, how can you say you believe in Jesus and you don't even know how to explain Jesus from the Bible? You say you believe in the gospel, you don't know how to explain the gospel from the Bible. So we're going to settle that today. That's what we're going to be focusing on. So I hope you got a big notepad. I hope you got lots of coffee. And I hope you got your Bible handy. If you do not have your Bible handy, and if you are able to get your Bible, just take a second. Go get it. I'm going to keep jabbering here. Go get your Bible because I'm going to need you to look at these things. I'm going to need you to look these up and mark these down, write these down, get a pad of paper and a pen or pencil, whatever. Warm up your fingers for your for your keyboard. We got a lot of stuff we're going to be looking at. I got a lot of stuff. I'm just surrounded by stuff I'm going to be showing and explaining. So this is one of my favorite topics. All right. So in uh, my church, I'm the... I'm the lead evangelist. Uh, I teach evangelism. Um, this is one of my specialties. Uh, I, I've done courses on evangelism uh, in other places. I've, I've taught other people how to become evangelists. This is my favorite thing to do. This is my primary calling. So if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights at all regarding evangelism, regarding witnessing, how to witness any of that kind of thing, Go ahead, ask away. Um, I don't want there to be any lingering questions or doubts or wonderings or whatever or misunderstandings. If you need clarification, go ahead, ask. If you need me to go over something again, mention it. We're going to take our time. We're, we're not going to rip through this. And uh, we're just going to discuss this in as much detail as we can. So it, make sure you rewatch this. You pause it and jot down things, rewind and go over it again. So you can always go back to this video to be able to refresh yourself on this, okay? And where do we start? Okay. Now, let's go to uh, 2 Corinthians. We're going to take a little bit more of a look at this commandment of God to share the gospel, okay? Just a, just a little bit more uh, of, a, of a reaffirming this and settling this in us, that this is what we are supposed to do. So in this, we see 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to start at verse 18, and we're going to go down to verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 and 21, and all things are of God. Who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Okay, hold up. 
to be reconciled to God. Okay, now think of that word right there, how to be reconciled to God. So all have fallen away. All are becoming corrupt. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. All have sinned. There is none righteous, none of one. Okay, so we understand that all have fallen away. To be reconciled, to be brought back. To be brought back. How can I be brought back to God? How can I be brought to the face of God where his countenance cannot behold sin? That he must judge all sin. Okay, so we see what this word then is implying. Hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. So everything that is of Christ, his work, his merit, his righteousness, his atonement, his blood, his death, burial, resurrection, it's all of him, who he is. So Jesus Christ reconciled us to God and hath given to us, see verse 18, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of showing other people how they can be reconciled to God like I have been. Okay, you get that? Now, verse 19, to wit, that God was in Christ. Oh, there's a deity proof right there. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Not just part of the world. The world. This doesn't say the world of the elect. It says the world. The world unto himself. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. And hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. There it is again. There it is again. That's twice now. He has committed unto us. So that means to give us the charge, give us the work, to give us the order. This is this is our calling. Committed unto us. He committed, not that we committed to it. It was committed to us. Now, I didn't choose to commit to it. It's not like I said, oh, I would like to do that. No, no, no. You have no say. This is a commandment of God. It's like the Ten Commandments were committed unto us. Okay, hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Okay, so now the ministry of, now the word of. So there's the service of the workings of reconciliation, of the ministry of reconciliation. Now there's the word of, the teachings of. The teachings of. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Okay, so it gets, gets into the clarification of what this is about. The righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God, and how Christ uh, became sin for us. And now he took it. So all about the gospel. So just a quick, just run through there. We see verses 18 to 21. It's all about the ministry, the word, the commandment, the charge of the message of reconciliation, how we can come back to the Lord in salvation, how we won't be judged of God for our sins. Our sins won't be imputed unto us. We'll be free from our sin. So how can you be free from your sin? We're going to be looking at that. Okay, so you see that that's 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, verses 18 to 21, you want to pair that 
with Mark chapter 16, verse 15, where Jesus says, now I want you to take a look at these words. Take a look at it, please. Please take your Bible, turn to Romans. Mark, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. I swear I've had my coffee so far this morning. My brain is everywhere. Okay. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. So, and he said, who? Who said? Jesus said. Jesus. Who's Jesus? Jesus is the Christ. Jesus Christ is God. So this is one of my street preaching shirts. Okay, so Jesus, who is God manifested in the flesh, God Almighty says, go. Well, I, I just want to stay where I am. Go. Well, how about if someone else does it? Go. Who's he talking to? And he said unto them. Who's the them? Who's them? Well, that'd be his disciples. That's everybody who would believe in him. This is a charge. This, this is the great commission, which is given to all saints. So you, you have no out. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a commandment of God for you to become competent in the gospel, to be able to witness to other people. So go ye into all the world. All right. And preach. Ooh, there's a word. Preach means to declare, to, to promote, to lift up your voice. That It's not like a one-on-one, -on -one, back and forth. No, it's you are telling them. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. You have no say. <laughs> Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. If you don't, you condemn yourself. And preach what? Traditions. No, preach religiosity. No, preach baptism. No, preach the Ten Commandments. No. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. To be a gospeler. That's a specialist in the gospel. To preach the gospel to every creature. That's, that's denoting every single person in the world of every nation, color, language, tribe, distinction. Everybody. Everybody is to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. No limitation. And preach the gospel to every creature. Now, if you look at the, the specific wording here, how there's a command behind it. There's authority behind it. We take a look at who Jesus is. So there's authority in this verse. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So unbelief damns you, not unbaptism. So you see, baptism has no effect on it. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And if they lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. So we see that behind that is divine power going along with you, uh, confirming the word, verse, uh, verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs, showing that what they are saying has proof, weight, and power, because the Lord would confirm this with the miracles and the signs and the wonders. Okay, but firstly, how will they not hear without a preacher, and how will they believe upon him whom they have not heard? So we're supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We need to tell the way to show them in some way, some form, somehow. Okay. So we have settled the first point here 
of the calling of the charge that we are given on, on how we're supposed to go about the faith. So it's not just, you know, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Now just read your Bible, go to church, sing the hymns, pray, wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat. And they'll want to be like you because of your love. No. And, and all that kind of thing. It's not lifestyle Christianity. Just be a good friend. Just love Jesus. No, there's a work, a calling. There's a charge. There's a purpose and a point to all of this. Why are you reading? Why are you praying? Why are you studying? Why are you worshiping? To draw close to the Lord, to learn of the Lord so you can go and tell others about the Lord. You're an ambassador. An ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. Doesn't matter who you are, man or woman. It doesn't make any bit of difference. All men, all women are called to go and preach the gospel. Now, what does it mean by that? Well, women are supposed to preach. Pastorship. Leadership of a local church. First Timothy, First Timothy chapter 2 and 3 and Titus chapter 1. It's about leadership of a local church. They can't be pastors or deacons, but they can be evangelists, missionaries. And they, can, they can go and share the gospel. And they can share the gospel on social media or in person or whatever. So don't say women can't evangelize. I'll be jumping all over you on that one. All right. So now men and women are called to go and witness the gospel, share the gospel, proliferate the gospel, declare the gospel, preach the gospel. People always get mad at me because I say women can preach. The gospel just means as in sharing, witnessing, proliferation. Don't be facetious. Okay. It just... It, Something that irritates me when people tell me that women aren't allowed to share the gospel. You would not believe how many times I've heard that one. Women aren't allowed to share the gospel. In what universe? Really? Go read your Bible. Okay, so we see women evangelists in the Bible. Okay. Now, how? So the question comes up, how do I go about it? It seems the topic is rather daunting. It's, it's really big. There's lots of scripture. Where do I start? How do I go about this? Well, this is where personal study, personal study, personal familiarity with the story. See, it's, it's got to be a little bit more in-depth than, say, like a kiddie Sunday school type presentation. There needs to be meat to it, something and they can hang their hat on something that will convict them and show them that it's more than just like coloring in a picture of Noah's Ark kind of thing. There needs to be meat to this, something they can chew on, something they can think about. So you're giving them a taste of the knowledge, a taste of the understanding that uh, you're helping them to see the fullness of this in a simplistic sense, where it needs to be a presentation that is simple enough that a child can understand, that an adult can understand, but not so simple it becomes kidified and watered down. You don't want to water it down. So how do I go about this? Okay. Now, I've done an exorbitant amount of research on the different types of evangelistic styles, uh, witnessing styles, and methods. There's some methods I absolutely hate with every fiber of my being. And that is the turn or burn style method, which is completely unbiblical, completely unchristlike. You'll never be able to justify that in a million years. And there's some that I really love. There's some that's okay, but some that I really prefer. Now, you 
don't have to just pick one and stick with it. You want to develop a style, develop a method that works for you. So what I'm going to be doing is presenting just the, the gospel according to the Bible. And now you take this and you modify it to as it would, would fit with your style. Everybody has a different style. You can be aggressive. You can be pushy. You can be very lighthearted about this. Um, you can do all different kinds of things. Like, for example, you don't even have to say anything. You can get a... Bluetooth speaker sync it up with your phone and play the Bible over it it's as simple as that and then you stand on the street corner and hand out gospel tracks the whole point though is you should be competent in and of yourself to be able to explain it because if someone comes up to you and asks you what's this about and they start asking you questions about the gospel and you don't know, you're going to be kind of causing them to see that what you're talking about has no benefit. There's no point to it. So you need to be competent. Now, there's many different styles of presentation. But again, this can be one-on-one, -on -one in a group setting, street preaching, in the pulpit, doesn't matter. Okay, now what is the gospel? What is the gospel? Gospel means good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. So just ask yourself just a, a simple little question. What is the good news of Jesus Christ? How he so loved the world, John 3, 16. How God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay, this good news. Now, what, what's some more about this? Okay, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. There you go. I just gave the gospel. Two verses. Now, some people say, well, I thought you said not to be kitty. Bible verses aren't kitty, but I kept it simple. John 3, 16 and Acts 16, 30, 31. There's a couple verses right there. But you see what I did is memorization. If someone comes to you and says, okay, well, what is this gospel of Jesus Christ? Okay, hold on one minute. Um, they're not going to stand around and wait for you to, uh, to leave through your Bible to try to find the verse. They're not going to stand there while you search your phone trying to find it. You need to know it. So it starts with memorization. So you start with the most basic of the uh, Bible verses on the fundamentals of the faith, like John 3, 16, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, Romans 10, 9 to 10. The, the very simple, basic verses start with those memorizing. Memorization. If you're not memorizing the Bible, you're not going to do very well at all. You need to be able to memorize scripture. You can memorize absolutely every single thing else there is in the world, but you won't memorize the Bible. So start with that. Okay, so. Saved from what? Salvation from what? Now, why would I want to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? For what reason? What purpose? Okay, so and this is where you got to start kind of re-engineering the thing. Go back to the beginning. So you see, okay, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I start asking the question, why? Why? What purpose? What reason? Why would I want to? Why do I need to? Why can't I believe in Zeus or Thor or Buddha? Why do I have to believe in Jesus? 
So go back, back up, back up. Keep asking the question why till you can't go back any further. Go all the way back. Okay, so as scripture shows, all have sinned. Well, I'm not a sinner. If any man say he's not sinned, he's a liar and the truth is not in him. Okay, well, how can I prove that you're a sinner that needs to be saved? Well, let's go to the book of Galatians. So I'm trying to just present this simple, slow, just step by step. Just I'm just kind of mulling this over, just thinking out loud and just presenting it in this way. So we want to start. Okay. Write it down in your in your notes there. We're going to start with the law. Start with the law. Because if a person can't see that they're a sinner, they're not going to see their need for a savior. Savior, one who saves you. Saved from what? Saved from what? Why do I need to believe in you? Believe in him for what reason? For salvation, for redemption. Redeemed from what? Saved from what? Regenerated from what? Let's go back. Okay, so let's take a look at Galatians. And we want Galatians verse. And. Okay, we want uh, Galatians uh, chapter. Chapter three. Galatians chapter three. Where's this verse? I'm looking for this verse. All right. There it is. Okay, verse 24. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. Sorry, I get I have so many verses, I get all muddled up. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we that we might be justified by faith. So we're not justified by the law, Galatians 2 16. We're justified by faith. But the law is something that's very important. You see here, where the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. How does the law bring us unto Christ? Well, as Jesus says, I've, I've come not to put an end to the law, but to fulfill it. What is the fulfillment of the law? Well, if you go back in the Old Testament, you do study on the law, you take a look at what the law is. Uh, we we'll go back to Exodus chapter 20, you'll see the Ten Commandments, for example. The, the law will convict you of sin and show your need that you need to make an atonement for your sins. There, need to be a, there needs to be a sacrifice for your sins. What is Jesus? The Lamb of God, which will take away the sin of the world. He is the sacrifice, the atonement, the fulfillment, the end point, the goal, the purpose of the law. He is the sacrifice of atonement. So how can I see my need for a sacrificial atonement if I don't see that I'm a sinner? So I got to take a look at the law. Okay, so how can I use the law as a schoolmaster, a teacher, an instructor to help a person see their need for an atonement, for the sacrifice of salvation? How can I show them? Well, for example, let's go back to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, we see the Ten Commandments. Let's just use these as a simplistic springboard into this. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. 
Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor thy father and mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet. Okay, so we see the Ten Commandments here. Now, how can I use this? Well, simply, okay, I just ask you very simply. You don't have to tell me, but just answer it yourself. Well, have, have you ever set anything else up in your life as more important than God? Okay, you're dishonoring the Lord. You're putting other things ahead of him. Have you ever used the name of God irreverently? Uh, used his name uh, in blasphemy? Use his name as a cuss word. Use his name as an expletive. Even OMGs it, it is using the name of God in a flippancy of an expletive. That's very serious. It's blasphemy. Have you ever told a lie? Have you ever dishonored your mom and dad? Have you ever committed adultery? Have you ever looked at someone with lust? As Jesus says, to look at someone with lust is committing adultery with them already in your heart. It's the same as committing the act. Have you ever stolen anything, even something small that wasn't yours to take? So what does that make you? That makes you an idolatrous, blasphemous, di disrespectful, adulterous thief. And that's just a few of the Ten Commandments. And if God was to judge you by the standard of the law, would you be innocent or guilty? Well, you'd be guilty. So the whole point here, the point of the law, the point of the righteous law of God here, is to show that you have no righteousness of your own. God is not going to weigh your good against your bad because, well, frankly, you have no good. <laughs> According to the standard of God, you have no good. So what is he going to what is he going to use to balance this? There is no balance way scale of good and bad. He's going to use the righteousness of Christ as the goodness that outweighs the bad. So the whole point here we see at the beginning is to show the importance of this so people say well, well so then i just need to keep the law go back to galatians okay now in galatians and we want verse uh chapter 2 verse 16 galatians chapter 2 verse 16 Knowing that a man is not justified, is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And now to pile on this, go over to chapter 3, verse 11, Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith, and the law is not of faith. Look at that. Verse 12. The law is not of faith. Now, skip ahead a bit. Verse 21. Chapter 3, verse 21. Galatians 3, 21. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been... A law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But it's not. The law is something else. The law is a schoolmaster that shows you, teaches you, instructs you of your need for a savior, your need for an atonement, your need for the sacrifice. There must be a sacrifice 
You can't be the sacrifice. Your works, your goodness, because you have no goodness, is it is it available? You are not justified by law. There is nothing in you that the law can justify as righteous. The law is a curse. As it says, the law is a curse unto sin. It is not a blessing. It is not something that justifies or, or, or validates you before God. But rather, it damns you. It condemns you. It judges you. It shows that you are guilty. It, the law sends you to hell. It is the hammer of the judge of the gavel that strikes and says guilty sentence is death. That's what the law is. Okay, now, the whole point is to show this, show people their need for a savior. How? By walking them through examples of the law. So, for example, out in the street, if someone comes up and challenges me on this kind of thing, or if I'm using this or whatever, I would show, walk them through the Ten Commandments as a simple example. Say, okay, have you ever told a lie? Have you ever used the name of God irreverently? Have you ever said anything up, else up as more important than God? Have you ever dishonored your parents? Have you ever committed immorality? Just use those as examples to show them what sin is. All unrighteousness is sin. All unrighteousness is sin. Then what do you do? Well, as you would walk through the court of the temple, first you would be presented with the teachings of God right at the gate and then you then it brings you to the altar it brings you to the altar before you can get to god you must understand what it is you're getting into what it is you're you're walking towards as you're walking towards the cross you would see you would see why he atoned why he went there so you're standing at the foot of the cross you're standing at the at the the base of the altar you see what has been given in your place so, for example, we see the story of Abraham, Isaac, and the ram. As Abraham's a picture of God, Isaac's a picture of us, the ram's a picture of Christ. Abraham has the knife, which is a picture of the sword of the wrath of God. Isaac's all bound up. He can't do anything. He can't do any good works. He can't do any song or dance. There's no way he can get out of it. He's tied up and he's about to die. And then the angel of the Lord stops Abraham's hand, and we see a ram caught in the thicket by its horns was suddenly appeared, caught in the thicket by its horns. Thicket is a thorn bush. Its head was crowned with thorns, and it was given as a substitutionary sacrifice in Isaac's place. So the Israelite wouldn't have to die. They would offer up a lamb in their place. There's something in their place. It's nothing of them. No goodness of my own. No righteousness of my own. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we go then into the identification of the Savior, the Savior, the Redeemer, the Lamb, the sacrificial atonement, the Redeemer, the Regenerator. Okay, now with this then, we go from the law. As showing what sin is, showing that we're all sinners. There's none righteous, no, not one. Then we go into illustrating, picturing the Savior. Who is Jesus? If you would like a very in-depth presentation on how to show the deity of Jesus Christ, who Jesus is, please check out my other video in the playlist, According to the Bible, Who is Jesus? 
And I go into great detail there, going back into the Old Testament all the way up through. It's an in-depth, super in-depth presentation on the, on the person of Jesus Christ. Okay, now simply put, we see a lot of people will challenge you on this one especially. A lot of people, most religions, won't really challenge you on the whole presentation of law, but they'll challenge you on the identity of the atoning sacrifice. You see, everyone believes in Jesus, but not everybody believes that Jesus is God. The vast majority of religions believe in law, believe they believe in the, uh, the golden rule, and they believe in the Ten Commandments, but they don't believe in Jesus according to the Bible. So this is where you got to switch it now, showing them this. You show them a picture, painting the picture of the law and, and the judgment of God and now the salvation of God. How? Well, for this, you got to understand Jesus. This is where you got to now become proficient in your presentation of Jesus Christ according to Scripture. Now, who is Jesus? Well, without going into our, our great in-depth uh, presentation again, i just do a quick, simple overview. Go back to Isaiah. Now, if you're taking notes, what you'll want to do is put down Isaiah 7.14, the arrival of how the Christ Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer, the arrival, how he would come. So we see how he would come, Isaiah 7, 14, born of the virgin. Where? Location. Location. Micah 5, 2. Bethlehem. Ephrata. So we see, we see arrival, location, identity. The identity, Isaiah 9, 6. This now gives his names, shows who he is. Isaiah 9, 6, the, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the wonderful, the counselor. All right, so we see the arrival, location, identity, work. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 now shows the prophecies what the Christ Messiah would do when he comes. Is uh, how he would grow up amongst them as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground, with no form nor comeliness which we, with which we would desire of him. And how he'd be rejected and despised and be taken from prison and from judgment, how he'd be uh, uh, beaten and, and how he'd be make his grave with the wicked and uh, make his uh, sorry his death with the wicked his grave with the rich and how uh, he would take upon us our take upon himself our transgressions he bear our iniquities by his stripes we are healed but his days will be prolonged meaning he'll be resurrected okay so it actually outlines the life the work the life so you see arrival location identity the work the purpose. So with those four, we then outline this and we point this directly at, okay, who was born of a virgin? Who was born in Bethlehem? Who was called the mighty God? Who was put to death for our sins and was resurrected? So just those simple verses right there, we show this even by the Old Testament. And then you can go, if you want, into more in the New Testament, proving all the different things. Jesus claiming to be the I am in John chapter 8. Jesus claiming to be Lord God in the temptation of the wilderness. Jesus claiming to be the Christ Messiah with the Samaritan woman at the well, John chapter 4. These, uh, these all now point to the person of Jesus Christ, showing ways you need to establish who Jesus is, according to the Bible. It's not enough to just believe in Jesus. You can believe in Jesus all the way to hell. Unless you believe in the right Jesus, according to the Bible. A lot of people believe Jesus is the Son of God, but they don't believe he's God. Jesus is the Savior. 
but they think he's Michael the Archangel. They say Jesus is Lord, but they believe he's the spirit brother of Lucifer. No, G Jesus, uh, Jesus is the Christ, but he's just the lesser prophet, less than Muhammad. So you see, you need to establish who Jesus is according to the Bible. Jesus, who is the mighty God, the everlasting father, not some incompetent little baby who needs his mommy to do all his work for him. We see who Jesus is according to the Bible. Jesus, who doesn't justify you by the law, like Seventh-day Adventists. Who is Jesus according to the Bible? Okay, so with the person of Jesus Christ, we then go into a presentation of this. This is where you need a springboard. So, for example, I like to use Acts chapter 10, verse 43. Acts chapter 10, verse 43. So, as I just did a simple, quick presentation uh, of the Christ Messiah according to the prophets. Acts 10, 43, to him who, Jesus, give all the prophets witness. Give all the prophets witness, as we just saw. Give all the prophets witness that through his name, through his name, not through my name, not through my work, not through anything of me. That through his name, whosoever believeth, just like John 3, 16, in him shall receive remission of sins. Their sins will not be imputed again unto them. They'll be reconciled unto God. They'll be justified by faith, by the grace of God, through faith, not by law, not by works. Titus 3, 5, not by righteous works. Whosoever believeth in him, as we saw Acts 16, 30 and 31. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's that simple. Okay, now with the presentation of Jesus, the identity of Jesus, we now want to go into, okay, now what do I do? Okay, I see the law. I see him a sinner. Okay, I see the altar. I see the cross. Okay, I get this. I see this. I see who Jesus. Now what? What do I do? How do I go about believing? What do I do? I just accept it and then just go to church and just do all the good Christian stuff? Well, no, that doesn't save you. Let's take a look. What must I do to be saved? How is one just saved? Well, one, two, three, repeat after me. Just, just repeat after me these words. No, sorry, no. It's not an incantation. It's not a magic word incantation. It's not the words on the page. It's the belief of the heart. So let's go to Romans chapter 10. We need to establish something here. Easy believism is a lie. It's a false gospel. It makes false converts. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 10, verses 9 to 10. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 to 10. Okay. Romans 10, 9 to 10. That if thou shalt confess. What do you confess? What is a confession? A confession of faith. Okay. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart. Okay. Confessing with your mouth the belief of your heart. So it's not belief of the head. It's not intellectualism. It's a belief of the heart. How you can miss heaven by 18 inches. The distance from the brain to the heart. Okay. So confessing with the mouth the belief of the heart. So what does this show? This shows a personal application. It becomes your truth. 
but I give myself to this. I see this is true. I admit this is true. I confess this as true. It is 100% true. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is, he is God manifest in the flesh. He went to the cross for my sins. I see this. I get this. I believe. I believe. That's what it means. It's personal application. That thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, according to Scripture. And shall believe in thine heart. So can you confess with your mouth without believing in your heart? Well, yeah, people can make false confessions all the time. All because you pressed someone into following along and repeating words after you. If they haven't believed it in their heart, they're not saved no matter how many times they say this thing. Easy believism doesn't save you. One, two, three, repeat after me. Just say the sinner's prayer. It doesn't save you. The belief of the heart does. If they're not believing it, no matter how many times they say that, they're not saved. They need to believe it. Okay, shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. So for this, hey, hold, just hold your finger there. Let's put a bookmark there. Hold your finger there. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 3. Sorry, 1 to 4. 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's what saves you, believing that. For what purpose? We walked it through. For salvation from your sins. Okay, let's go back to Romans 10. The God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So believing in what Jesus did for you. For with the heart, men believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Because you can see this, you can get this internally. You get this. I see it, I get it, I know it, but just I can't confess it just right yet. Can a person know it and know that it's true and still reject it? Yeah. Hebrews 6, 4 to 6, Hebrews 10, 26. Uh, I've, I've personally seen that multiple times. Um, they're called the white knucklers, where they're gripping the pew in front of the chair, in front of them, they're gripping the steering wheel, whatever, and they're white knuckling, and they see it, they get it, they understand it. Yes, I see it, but just I can't commit to it right yet. I just, I can't right now. That's believe in vain. That's those have believed in vain. So, we see here, for with the heart men believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made into salvation. So they see it, they get it, they see, they know it's true. Now just acknowledge it. Confess it, make it personal, call upon the Lord, ask him to save you. For the scriptures saith, whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. To be ashamed of him is to refuse to confess him. Okay, so we see here in Romans 10, 9 to 10, an importance here that, that, that there must be a confession of faith. How can that go about? Ooh, many different ways. That is, you don't have to verbatim quote the sinner's prayer. Um, again, it's 
do you believe that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh and that he died on the cross of your sins and was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures? Do you see that you're a sinner and you need to be saved? Yes. Do you believe this? Yes. Do you believe this gospel? Do you believe this about Christ? Yes, I do. Tell him. Tell him. It's that simple. Dear Lord Jesus, I see that I'm a sinner. I see what you did for me according to the scriptures, according to the gospel. I believe this. I know it's true. Dear Lord Jesus, please save me. I believe. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Now, verse 12, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what you are, that anybody anywhere can be born again saved. Says that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. You see that? Okay. So then to bring someone to this point where they would want to confess this, what is that? What is that? Well, this is called repentance unto salvation. Repentance is not a work. Repentance is not a work. Repentance is acknowledgement of the sin state, seeing and understanding and acknowledging that you're a sinner, that you need to be saved, that if this conviction brings you to the foot of the cross where the blood of Jesus Christ can wash over you and cleanse you of your sin. That's what repentance is. It's not a work. It's an acknowledgement of the sin state. It, so this is found in conviction of the law, a conviction is showing that you're a sinner, and conviction of Jesus Christ according to scripture, that he did all the work for you. And so you come to him that he might save you by grace. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. That I didn't merit it. I didn't earn it. It's not a reward. I don't deserve it. But he gave it to me anyways because he so loved me. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. All sins shall be forgiven them to the sons of men and blasphemies. Wheresoever they shall blaspheme. All sin will be forgiven. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hebrews 8, 12. And I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. God will choose to forgive and forget your sins. If you just come to him that he might save you from your sins. He saves you from the judgment, the weight, the curse of your sins. So. We see in 1 John chapter 1. Please turn to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. And we want to start at verse 8. 1 John chapter 1 verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And a lot of people come to them and you try to tell them the gospel. They say, I'm not a sinner. Oh, really? The Bible just says that you're that you just deceived yourself. The saying you're not a sinner, saying you have no sin, well, you just sin. Saying you have no sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Saying you have not sinned, saying that you have no sin, saying you're not you're damned for your sins, you're you're calling God a liar, is what that says right there. But rather, chapter two, verse one. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation, atonement. And he is the atonement for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. 
God calls all men everywhere unto repentance. God is not willing that any should perish. So, we see the importance of the law combined with the person of Christ from his scriptures. Now, why is that important? Because only, only this Jesus will save you from the curse of the law by grace. This is the only Jesus in the entire world. This is the only belief system of the entire world that teaches a singular one hundred percent unique jesus no other belief system in the entire world has a jesus like this who did all the work for you all the atonement all the work it's all of him nothing is left jesus said it is finished nothing's left now what must you do believe believe that you're a sinner believe that you need to be saved Believe that you're that you're judged by God according to his law, according to his word, and you need to be redeemed, you need to be bought out. Let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Now we want, want verse 7. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. In whom? Who? Well, if you back up, you see the context is Christ Jesus. It's talking about Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus. In whom? Christ Jesus. We have redemption, redeemed, bought out. Okay, so I, this is where I like to bring in an actual picture. Use your sanctified imagination. What this is actually showing, what scripture shows is you are bound in sin. You are in bondage of iniquity. You are a slave to sin. You are, you, you are held as a slave to sin, dead in your sin, bound in sin. You're actually chained up in a slave market of sin. That's the wording. You have no right, no liberty, no freedom, no voice, nothing. You are, you're, you're damned in this. You're judged in this. You're chained up, and there's nothing you can do. You cannot free yourself from the chains of iniquity, from the chains of damnation by any strength or power or merit of your own. You're a slave chained up in sin. You need to be redeemed. In whom, Christ Jesus, we have redemption. He redeemed us. He bought us out. That's what redeem means, to, bought, to be bought out. Jesus Christ came to the slave market and with the, with the price, with the wages of sin is death. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And with the, with the full payment of his death and blood he comes to this and he pays for you the full payment the full pardon he redeems you through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace you're an enemy of god a child of the devil lost in sin judged in sin you're 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 found guilty you don't deserve this absolutely you do not deserve this but he did it anyways. Why? Because he so loved you. He's not willing that any should perish. He calls all men everywhere to repentance. What Jesus does is he comes to you. He sees you're bound in sin. He walks up, up to you. He holds out his hands, those nail-scarred hands. He holds out that gift of everlasting life. He says, look, I, 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 I have the full pardon right here. 
I've done all the work. I filled out all the paperwork. I did everything required. Everything that needs to be done is done 100%. All you got to do is accept this. Do you want to be free? For the gift of God, gift, gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you believe? If you believe, confess it. Do you want this? Do you want to be free? Do you want to be saved? Do you want to be born again? Do you want your sins forgiven? Do you want the chains taken off? Do you want to be made free? Not just free, not just free, but then he frees you and then adopts you as his own child. He doesn't just set you free. He sets you free and adopts you as his own child by grace, unmerited favor. According to the riches of his grace. How is this done? Verse 13, in whom Jesus Christ, he also trusted. After that, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise and not just made a child of God. You are made joint heirs of Christ. You're the living temple of God. The spirit of God lives in and dwells within you. He holds you in his hand. He surrounds you with his angels. Jesus Christ stands by your side. You're cleansed of your sins, redeemed by the blood, saved by grace. Your name is written down in glory. You don't deserve this. You, you're covered in the mud and spackle of sin and condemnation, chained up in the chains of hell. You are a child of the devil, an enemy of God, an heir of hell. And Jesus Christ came to the slave market, looked at you and says, would you like me to set you free? Would you like to come with me? That's what it is. That's what the gospel is. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. And he walks to that slave market and, he's, and he offers this to every single person. What must I do to be saved? Go over to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Verses 30 and 31. It's as simple as this. And we see this is Paul and Silas are in the prison and we see the earthquake because of, because of their rejoicing. The Lord shook the prison and the doors open, all the chains fell off and the jailer comes running in and he sees them and he brings out Paul and Silas and verse 30, Acts 16, verse 30. And the jailer brings them out and says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Saved from what? Your sins. Verse 31, and they said, believe, believe, what, just believe in God. No, just believe in Jesus. No, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, because Christ is the deity proof of him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe on this Jesus by the riches of his grace. Now go over to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 8 and 9. For by grace, unmerited favor. That I didn't merit it. I didn't earn it. It's not a reward. I don't deserve it. But he gave it to me anyways because he so loved me. For by grace are ye saved 
through faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I can't see it. I can't touch it. I can't affect it. It's not my works or anything, but my trusting belief. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Absolutely nothing of me. No goodness of me. I'm undeserving 100%. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not the earned, merited reward of God, but it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Now go over to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Not by works of righteousness. So we see not by works, not by righteous works. Not by works of righteousness. So what are righteous works? Going to church, reading your Bible, praying, charity, helping out in service, ministry, keep keeping Ten Commandments, all that kind of thing. All that kind of thing. All forms of religiosity, which would also be water baptism, because that's a work and act of yourself. That you have to do it. You have to go through the action, the motion. So it's actually a righteous work. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us. How? By the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God washes you. The Spirit of God regenerates you. How? When? Ephesians 1.13, when you trust in and believe the gospel, the Spirit of God comes upon you and cleanses you. He, it's all of him. Remember what John the Baptist said. Remember what Jesus said about the Spirit of God. You'll be... Uh, but the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost, that is the purging, the cleansing of the Spirit of God that comes upon you. It's not your action, your work. It's not baptismal regeneration. Baptismal regeneration is a false gospel. That's water baptism for the forgiveness of sins. That's a false gospel. But the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So not by works, not by righteous works. And we already saw, but we'll go over it again. Galatians 2.16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. So not by works, not by righteous works, not by works of the law. Put those three references down on your notes. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Titus 3, 5. Titus 3, 5 and Galatians 2, 16. So Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Titus 3, 5. Galatians 2, 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, and we might be justified by the faith of Christ, not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And as we saw in Galatians chapter 3, what does it say? If there had been a law, this is verse 21, Galatians 3, 21. If there had been a law given which could have given life verily righteousness should should have been by the law but it's not why as we see by romans chapter 6 romans chapter 6 and we want verse 14 romans 6 14 for sin shall not have dominion over you for ye are not under the law but under grace 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 is what saves not law 
Now, we also want uh, chapter 5, verse 13. Romans 5, 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. So when is the law removed from you? When are you no longer under the law when you believe? While you're under the law, you're damned to hell. But once you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're no longer under the law. The law is no longer your schoolmaster. It's no longer your convictor, your damner, your judge. You're under grace. You're freed from the curse of the law by Jesus Christ, by the grace of Jesus Christ. So the law, that which convicts, that which shows sin and the need of salvation. Salvation only through the biblical Jesus, Jesus the Christ, the mighty God manifest in the flesh, who saves by grace through faith by belief alone. How, how are you saved? I, I seeing what he did, seeing how you're judged by sin, seeing how Christ atoned for you. Now believe, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Is there anything I have to bring to the table? No, as the famous preacher Jonathan Edwards said. I bring nothing to my salvation other than the sin that made it necessary. I bring nothing to my salvation other than the sin that made it necessary. Because I bring all the weight of my sin. I bring the, the, the acknowledgement of the say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm guilty. But you atoned for me. Dear Lord Jesus, I accept you as my God and Savior. Please forgive me my sins and save me, I believe. That is acknowledging that the sin, acknowledging the conviction, that is confessing the belief of the heart. That's Romans 10, 9 to 10. You are born again saved. It's that simple, that easy. Showing how this is done by grace. You don't have to do it. Going to church doesn't save you. Going to church is a good thing, but it doesn't save you. Reading your Bible is good, but it doesn't save you. Praying is good, but it doesn't save you. Doing good charities and helping out and trying to trying to keep the commandments, all these things, these are all good things, but it doesn't save you. There's only one thing that saves you, that is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The prophets gave witness that through his name, whosoever believeth, believeth on him shall receive remission of sins. Believing on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to scripture, Jesus says in John 8, 24, if you do not believe that I am, you'll die in your sins. So we see evangelism, what, what evangelism is, is just telling people and describing to people, explaining to people what you believe. Being competent in explaining what you believe. You believe in Jesus, well, who is he? What makes you different from Catholics, Seventh-day Adventists, Jehovah's Witnesses, and Mormons, and Buddhists, and Hindus, and Muslims? What sets you different? What makes you different? Who's your Jesus? Why is your Jesus different? Who's Jesus according to the Bible? Why do I need to believe in Jesus? I'm not a sinner. How can you show that they're a sinner? How can you show them that sin is serious and that sin needs to be atoned for? That if it's not atoned for, you're going to be held accountable for your sin on Judgment Day. When God reads out the holy roll call, your name is not, not, not called, you're in big trouble. And there's no second chances. There's no reset. There's, there's no take backs. That's it. There's only one chance. There's only one chance to get it right. 
while you have breath, while your heart is beating, while your brain is firing in the neurons, you have a chance of being born again saved. But when you take your last breath and your heart beats its last beat, that's it. No more chances. But if you have believed, your name is written down in glory. When your time comes, you're going to hear your name called. And God will look upon you and smile. Because if he calls out your name, you shout loud and proud. Hear! And God smiles. And he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Welcome into the joy of your Lord. I'm going to hear that. I'm going to hear that. I'm going to hear my name called out. I'm going to see the face of God smile and beam upon me. Because when he looks upon me, he sees the righteousness of his son. Because I have believed on the son of God according to scriptures. 1 John 5.13. 1 John 5.13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the son of God. That ye may know. That ye may know. That ye have eternal life. I know. I know I do. That ye may know that ye have eternal life. And that ye may believe in the name of the Son of God. Now. One pair of this with John chapter 3. I'll come to your comments very shortly here. I'm almost done here. John chapter 3. Well John chapter 3. Now a lot of people when they present John chapter 3. You know John 3.16. They stop there. And they don't continue. You need to read John 3, 16 to 18. 16 to 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That sounds great, right? For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because you have not believed in the name of the only begotten son of god the only way you can get to heaven is by believing on the name of the only begotten son of god jesus according to scripture god's not going to weigh your good against your bad god is not going to judge you according to the light that you had god is not going to hold you accountable to your your good works your righteousness your religiosity god is not impressed with the works of our hands with your religiosity god does not care how many times you've gone to church and how many how much good things you've done. He cares whether or not you believed on Jesus the Christ. According to scripture. God does not care about anything else. How you kept the golden rule. How many people you helped in or whatever else. That does not matter. It doesn't matter how many times you got dunked in water. How many times you, you, you took communion. How many times you've, you've done whatever. God will judge you according to whether or not you have believed upon Jesus Christ. That's the only thing. The prophets gave witness of this. The scriptures give witness of this. We can only say that which we have both seen and heard. We are our witnesses of this. And you are saved if you keep this. To obey the commandment to believe. Mark 1.15. Mark 1.15, Jesus' first sermon, the first sermon out of Jesus, Mark 1.15. Jesus came and preached the gospel, uh, Mark 1.14. Jesus 
preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, that the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And how will he refresh you? The spirit of God will come upon you and wash you and regenerate you. How? By grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works, as any man should boast. So what do we do? We tell them the word of God. Unto us has been given the message of reconciliation, the commandment of God to go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's a commandment of God. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you truly, 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 honestly before God, love Jesus, you'll learn the gospel. All right. Okay. All right, let's go down through. Now, again, uh, it, uh, I'm going to be keeping this strictly regarding uh, evangelism, the gospel presentation, all this. Now, the whole thing, uh, Lindsay brings up a, a point here about Ravi Zacharias. Okay, now again, understanding he's just a man, he's just a person, and all sin, all make mistakes. Everybody does horrible things. There are things we all do uh, that people know of and things we, we do that people don't know of, we're, that we're all guilty. We all sin every five minutes. You sin by way of thought, word, and action. And all sin is equal in the eyes of God. It doesn't matter what it is. So you know, for us to think that one person is better than another is just raging hypocrisy. Some people do some things that get caught up. They get caught in. That's true. But that's the thing. In 1 John 2, 1, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now, what shows uh, whether or not a person is born again and saved if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ according to Scripture? Did Ravi do that? Yes. He's, he was a born-again man. Can born-again Christians sin and make mistakes? Yes. Now, if the charges are true, well, you'll have to answer the Lord for that. But if he's repented of that, then those charges will not even be looked at. You don't have to worry about that. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is it possible that Ravi did those things and people jotted down documentation of that, but he repented of that and asked the Lord to forgive him? Yeah, then why are we judging him for things like that? Rather, we just see whether or not he's born again saved. Look at the gospel he presented. And if it's the gospel according to scripture, he's born again saved. Treat him as a brother in Christ. And understanding that we're all the same. We all sin, but we have thought, word, and action. We are all just as equally guilty as he is. I'm just saying. Let's remember grace, and we're no different. We're no better. That's all. But again, the gospel. How to know if a person is born again saved? You look at the gospel they're presenting. Now, Angela has a question. If you tell someone the gospel and they reject it, do you need to keep telling them? I'm talking about people in my life, work, friends, whatever. Um well, we'll take a look at Ezekiel chapter 33, the watchman on the wall. And what, do you, what are you supposed to do is warn them of the danger that is coming, the sword that is coming, that will threaten them. If you do not warn them, then their blood is on your head. But if you do warn them, their blood is on their own head. Now, how many times do you have to tell them? Well, at least once. If you get one chance, you go to a person and you offer them a track and you try to tell them once and they reject it. That's their choice. You tried. 
they, when they stand before the Lord, they will not be able to say, I was never told. God will cause them to remember that time you tried to tell. Now, after that, it's whenever a door of utterance is given. Whenever a door of utterance is given, if the door opens up and they come and ask the questions or uh, the Lord is able to turn the conversation around to this, and you're able to tell them. You're able to tell them again, well, take that opportunity. Tell them again. Plant some more seeds. But if that door doesn't open again, at least you tried. At least you tried the ones. All right. Angela says, I like that you say there are different ways to evangelize. I'm kind of shy that God can say, use me. Yeah, there are multiple, multiple ways to evangelize. And I'll be talking about that in different styles and methods. All right. Yeah, and Sunny Day says, trying trying to earn our way by being good in our deeds never made sense to me. Just how many good deeds of the That's right. It's well, well, here's the question. The thief on the cross. Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Okay, he was a thief and a robber. Caught red-handed, judged, condemned, crucified beside Jesus. At first, he and the other guy mocked Jesus. And then over the hours, as they were on the cross, over the hours, he hearing Jesus, seeing Jesus, observing Jesus, realizes who Jesus was, and then and then says, then says to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Then Jesus says, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. What good works did the thief on the cross do to get saved? He's nailed to a cross. So it's not possible for him to do good works, to do righteous works, to do any law keeping. There, he wasn't able to get baptized. He wasn't able to do anything. But he believed. But he believed. He obeyed the commandment of God to repent and believe the gospel. That's the good work right there, to believe. To obey the commandment of believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And we're going to see something interesting. John chapter 6, verses 28 and 29. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. It's not really like action works, you know, like, like law keeping and commandment keeping, doing good things, but rather it's a work of the heart, not a work of the hands. It's a work of faith, not a work of actions. Believe on him whom he has sent. Go over to verse 39 and 40. And this is the Father's will, which has sent me, that, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. That's the Father. The will of the Father is that all will believe upon Christ. This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. But it's not by works of flesh, of self, of hands, of that which you're doing, but rather it's a work of the heart. You confess the belief of the heart. You see that? 
Now, uh, Angel says, I found out the more I read the Bible and spend time with God, the more I talk about it to people around me. Right. Exactly. Okay, Kimberly has a question here regarding Acts 16, verse 31. Now, if you finish the verse 31, it says, and, that, uh, and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thine house. Right. Now, if we take a look here, he's the head of the house. The jailer here is the head of the house. And, like, and they, they spake unto him the word of the Lord into all that were in his house. So he brought them in. He believed it. He confessed and believed it and brought them in and asked his family to listen to this, set it up. Now, he is the head. The Lord then blessed his house. What does the scripture say? That, oh, believing husband, that uh, for because you sanctify thy wife, and the believing wife will sanctify her husband. What this means is to bring blessing upon the blessing of the Lord is the is the spirit of God that will convict them, open the eyes, the understanding and the enlightenment and bring upon them this. Now look what it says. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes and were baptized. He and all his straight way, his whole house believed it. to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ into your home and to present it, to show it, that to teach it. To, uh, to pray, ask the Lord that eyes be opened. If you maintain this, it shows here uh, the Lord can bless through this. Can sanctify your, your house by this. It's the offering here of a blessing and grace of God upon your, even your, whole, your own home by this. Because of your witness uh, as, uh, as the husband, the leader of the house, the Lord can bless in this and your house can, can be saved. Can be. And same with the way. Thou shalt be saved and thine house. There's a blessing here upon you, even your own dwelling. You dwell with the Lord, the Lord will dwell with you, and it'll be evident and it'll be seen. So that's what that's showing. Okay, Tomsky says, Do you rec recommend sharing my testimony about New Age, Psychedelics, and coming to Jesus as it's a horrific testimony? It's, yeah. Um, well, um, it, te personal testimonies are very important, are very powerful. People can't take that away from you. They can't deny your own personal experiences and things. Um, when presenting these kinds of things, like if you've seen my personal testimony, um, as we also see through here, the Apostle Paul, who did horrific, horrific things, uh, slaughtering of Christians and whatnot in the church before he got saved, uh, he makes mention in in general of the kind of thing that it got to but he didn't go into detail people don't need to hear the gruesome gory details they just you keep it kind of just generic because you don't want their minds to go on those dark things you see by romans 6 uh, 16 um oh i'm in acts that's why uh, romans 16 19. um for your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. That means ignorant of darkness. People don't need to know the gory details of darkness. So you want to just kind of just generalize and not go into details of certain things in that way. Because it needs to be presentable. Uh, to all people, people, some people may be sense of that and that might actually drive them away because they don't want to hear that. So don't go into certain details of certain things, uh, just more generalized and certain certain aspects like that. Um, 
but the whole point is just to show how far you fell and how the Lord still saved you from it. But you don't need to explain in detail the kinds of things you fell into. So testimonies are powerful and important, but learning how to be tactful and how to present it in such a way that it would be acceptable. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, don't. <laughs> don't praise me up. I, I don't. I don't want it. I appreciate your support and all that. All that but uh, yeah. But again, it's the same message. Well, it's the same message as John the Baptist, all of them, the prophets, the disciples. It's the same message. It's the same scriptures. The scriptures that I'm showing you are the exact same scriptures that the prophet Isaiah, the prophet Micah, the prophet Jeremiah, uh, all of them presented the same scriptures that the disciples and the apostles and, and all of them presented. It's the same story of the same scriptures, of the same God, of the same work, of the same promises. So in a way, yeah. And if you want to uh, sound, sound the same, say the same thing. Same scriptures of the same thing. That's all it is. Amen. Okay, Angela says, I always felt guilty that I didn't present the gospel the right way. That's why this video is so good. But now I know that God is the one who changes people. I'm just the messenger. Right. I'm not the convictor. I could have the absolute best presentation of the gospel that the world has ever seen. And it won't save a single person. It takes the spirit of God. The spirit of God is not working on that person. They're not going to believe no matter what you say. If the Spirit of God is not convicting them, they're not going to repent. If the Spirit of God is not working, then nothing's going to happen. But what the Lord has called us to do is go and tell them, and those whose hearts are softened, those whose ears are hearing, whosoever's ears hear, hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Whoever's ears are open, whoever's hearts softened, them the Spirit of God works on, and those ones will believe the message of reconciliation that we bring. But again, they have to hear it. How will they believe upon him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? So they need to be told. So we have to go and bring this to them in a simplistic sense, as it's simple, because it's by grace. It's a joyous message. So present it joyfully with gladness, with gladness of heart, with the oil of gladness anointed upon it. Present it to them and let the Spirit of God work. Watch the Spirit of God. So it's so simple. All right. All right. So with that, if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights upon what I showed you, please go ahead and ask away. Be glad to hear from you. Now, a couple things is to bring up. We want to see uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. More. Matthew 5 17 think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets I am not come to destroy but to fulfill to him gave all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins so what is the fulfillment of the law that's the sacrifice the atonement that's the, the, the work of redemption of the, of the lamb of sacrifice behold the lamb of God which shall take away the sin of the world and we see the law brings you to the altar and that's where it stops the law doesn't come any further. The law brings you up to the altar, brings you to the foot of the cross, and, that, and that's where it leaves you. And this is where you see the cross, you see the law of damnation, 
I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're no longer under the law. You're now under grace. Make sure you bring the right Jesus. Okay, so we see by Galatians chapter 2, Galatians chapter 3, the law is a schoolmaster for sin. That law is not made for a righteous men, but for the unrighteous. We see that if there had been a law that could have given life, surely righteousness should have been by the law, but it's not. So we see what the law is and what it is not. Understand this, that the law does not justify. The faith of Christ justifies. So we've got to show them Christ, and then we've got to show them the, the right faith, the right Christ, and that will convict them. That'll bring them to repentance, and they'll acknowledge this. They'll believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then they're saved by grace. Then you present what grace is. All right? You're still planting seeds. Even if you even if you spend years and years and years and years presenting and no one gets saved, you're planting seeds. As scripture says, some, some sow, others reap. Or down the road, you may not know, but individuals you witness to, down the road, someone else leads them to the Lord. Your sowing is just as important as others reaping. It, it takes multiple people to go into the harvest and to reap. So, yeah. All right. Tomsky says, is God able to speak to people directly through voice? And if so, how does one discern the voice of God from the enemy? Test the spirits to see if they're of God. Now, if you have to ask the question, I wonder if that was of God, then it wasn't. God is not the author of confusion. So God also isn't going to tell you something that would contradict this. So you need to use it. This is the final absolute authority in all aspects of faith and practice of faith. Not what I think, what I feel, or whatever, because Satan can appear as an angel of light, and his ministers can appear as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. The devils can appear as angels of God. So how would you know if they are or aren't? There, there needs to be an authority, something that can distinctly, competently show what is truth and what is not, what is lies, what is deception, and that is the word of God. So you need to know scripture. Look to this. Don't look to experiences and visions and dreams and voices. You look to this. God will never con contradict this. He will, he will never lead you astray from this. This may hurt you with truth, but it'll never deceive you with a lie. So you got to understand this, that, the, that this is final and absolute. This is the final authority. The buck stops here. The devils will always, always, always contradict this. 100% every single time. That in some way, some form, some fashion, they always, 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 always contradict this either through 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 a visual image visual uh, uh, representation or teaching or feeling or a sense or something they always contradict this so the only way to be able to tell the difference is this so if you get your nose in this and, and give yourself to this apply yourself to this you'll be protected what god says is all that matters all right so with that i hope that that has been sufficient enough. If you have questions about any of this, about uh, the gospel presentation, how to give it, whatever, go ahead, ask away. I'm going to offer you now some suggestions on methods, tactics, styles, all that kind of thing in presentation. All right. Now, first off, before anything else, memorization. If you're not memorizing scripture, you're doing God a disservice. Hands down, that is the most important piece of information I could possibly give you. Memorization of the word of God. 
It protects your mind, protects your heart. It holds you to the faith so you can't be deceived. Even in your dreams, the scriptures will pop up when you're, when you're committing it to memory. Then when you're out witnessing, you're talking to people, Bible verses will just pop up. But how will they do that if you're not memorizing it in the first place? Scriptural memorization is the most important thing. It is a keystone. One of the, the most primary factors of witnessing the gospel is memorization of the word of God. I gave you tons of scriptures. Commit them to memory. Now, how to memorize scripture? Let's look at that. When I go out and I do my street preaching, I like to start with a, a kickstart verse to get it. The kick started, get it going, springboard verse. Mine is Acts 10, 43. To him gave, gave all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. So with that, I then go right back into the Old Testament. I start with that to show the, 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 the promises of the, the prophets, of the Christ Messiah that would come, of how he would come, where he would come, what his names, what he'd be called, his work. Then bring that right into Jesus in the New Testament. The prophets gave witness of this, that through his name, it's not through works, not through righteous works, not through works of the law, not through religiosity, but through faith. By grace, through faith, are you saved? I'll go right into all that. Whosoever believeth on him, I go into there how to believe, what belief is, Romans 10, 9 to 10, shall receive remission of sins. I go to Ephesians 1. So you see how this one verse is the springboard, is the outline. I use it as an outline. So Memorization is important in how you can tie it all together. But how do you memorize verses? How do you memorize songs on the radio? How do you memorize uh, uh, your favorite stats of your favorite sports team? How do you memorize all the details of how to do your job at work? How do you memorize your schoolwork? Repetition. It's no different. It's no different than any of that. So you take a look at the verse, break it down. How I do it is I go by just point by point, line by line. To him gave all the prophets witness. 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 That through his name. To him gave all the prophets witness. That through his name. And then I think about how, you know, it's not by works. So I use it as an outline. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, what? That through his name, what? Whosoever believeth, so you believe in his name, that through his name, whosoever believeth in him. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him. That's what I do. And just keep doing that all the way through till I get the whole verse. And if I mess up, start over. And once you got that verse, then break it down. And you can uh, break it down to even finer, finer, finer details and use it as the outline of your presentation. You just start fleshing it out from there. So that's how you memorize a verse. And it's so easy. You can memorize a verse a day, a couple of verses a day using that method. Um, just applying yourself, prioritization, taking it seriously. And there you go. Ask the spirit of God within you to teach you, instruct you, give you the wisdom, the ability, the knowledge of this and, and the the competence of this. Ask him to help you with this. And he will. You'll notice the scriptures will come to you even easier than you seem to suddenly have an ability when you actually ask the Spirit of God to help you and assist you. Ask him to take over. Say, Lord, I want to do this. And you said that your spirit, the Holy Ghost, 
would teach me all things and would cause me to be in remembrance of everything which I, I have told you. You said that the Spirit of God would teach me, instruct me, and cause me to remember this. Lord, would you please do that for me? Would your Holy Spirit within me teach me and instruct me and assist me and help me to remember these verses? Watch. And it will. The Lord will. He keeps his word. He keeps his word. That's how you get good at this. And now apply yourself and he will help you. He'll help. You'll notice your memory will get better. Your recall will get better. Uh, your understanding the verses will get better. And the more you do it, seriously, really helps. So memorization of this. Secondly, secondly, good tracks. Good, tr good gospel tracks. All right. Now, uh, Thompson asked a question here. What has changed in your life now since you've gotten out of the occult? How big is your notebook? I, 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 it's, it's like day and night. I'm a completely, absolute, complete different person in every way, shape, and form. My mind is different. My life is different. My attitude is different. My behavior is different. My character is different. My personality is different. My interests are different. Even the way I talk is different. The way I even walk is different. Um, I'm happier. It's just everything is different. My whole life is different. Because um, as the scripture says, the old is gone, the new has come. Uh, the, the old man is dead. The old person is gone, and then it gives you a new heart, new desires, the scripture says. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> so that's a rather big question, uh, rather big topic. Uh, I'm, I'm now a child of God, not a child of the devil. Uh, heaven is my home, not hell. So every single possible thing that that would Bring it here that that would connotate is true. Um, once you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're a completely different person in every way, shape, and form. And it becomes evident. It becomes evident. So, yeah. Um, and with the Spirit of God is given great power of scriptures. He will give you great power of understanding of the gospel once you start applying this. And like I said, the other thing that's really handy in this is having good gospel tracks. Good gospel tracks. Now. Uh, if you don't have any, we provide some for free. If you go to our website, christiancoffeetime.ca, we have a free downloadable PDF of these tracks. And you can print them off and you can keep the PDF and print up as many as you want. It's free. You can hand the PDF around so others can have some. Now, these tracks, I wrote these up. The yellow one explains the gospel, how to be saved according to scripture. The white one explains the deity of Jesus Christ. because. Well, if you do not believe that Jesus is God, you're not saved. Simple as that. Even Jesus said that. So these, it's, I call it a double barrel. This is a double barrel gospel track. Um, they're great for handing to like Jehovah's Witnesses and other cults. Now, the thing about these tracks is they are written with a twofold purpose in mind. Number one, handing out, obviously. The second is that, well, the way it's written, the way these tracks are written, is to be a teaching tool. 
to, so you know how to give the gospel simply, easily, competently. You could use it as your own teaching manual. Keep it in your purse, in your wallet, in your coat, in your car, wherever. wherever. You always have it with you, and it'll show you how to give the gospel. You can use it as your outline and learn what verses to memorize, be able to explain these things simply. You can add to it, modify it as you feel like, but it is a great outline for that, uh, to teach you how to evangelize. There are some tracks that I just... I don't want to say they're bad. I just they're weak. They're very weak. Uh, where it's like uh, just hardly any scripture and just a lot of other people talking and explaining their thoughts or whatever, and it doesn't give a very clear, powerful overview of the gospel. Um, chick tracks are just not good. Maybe for little children, but that's about it. Uh, I personally know of multiple times where I've seen chick tracks try to be used and people just laugh them, laugh at them like crazy. They're a joke. People do not take chick tracks seriously. They don't. I'm just telling you that it's one of the worst types of tracks you can use. It just, but that's my opinion. That's my opinion. And I'll leave it at that. That witnessing and all this should be scripture heavy, gospel heavy, Bible heavy. Okay. All right, now, ways to go about this. Ways to go about it. Now, like I said, there's multiple different forms, tactics, ways you could do this. Um, the whole point is to preach the Lord God, Jesus Christ. To get Jesus, according to Scripture, out in public. Jesus Christ, his shed blood, his salvation, his redemption, his work on the cross, his death, burial, resurrection. To get that out, how you get that out uh, is up to you as the Lord is guiding you. Now, there's many ways you can do that. Um, that's from anywhere as simple as going out on the street corner with a Bible and just read the Bible. It's as simple as that. That works. That works. It's scripture. You could use Bluetooth speakers and you can play audio Bibles, uh, gospel presentations. You could do that while you stand out there handing out tracks. You can do that. Um, now, how... I do it personally. I'll give you some ideas. This is how, how I go about it. Now, when I go out in the street, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't have much room here. Ever since I got the backdrop, I kind of lost some room here. Let's see if this works. Now, I have some things that I made up. Now, if you go to the hardware store, you know, sawhorses for construction work. I got some plastic sawhorses. They're great because they're lighter, easier to move around, whatever. And I got some double-sided Velcro tape, and I got some signs laminated up that I stuck to. Them. I can't really show it on here; it doesn't work. But anyways, I got some uh, I got some signs made up and laminated so they can't get wrecked. Um, uh, the, the one says "Repent and believe the gospel." The other says "Jesus Christ, the true God, and eternal life." First John five twenty. I got another uh, plastic saw horse with a sign that says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. And on the other side, it says, Jesus Christ is God, change my mind. Now, the reason for that is it's a challenge so that people come up and try to challenge me to who Jesus is as an invitation. So now I use scripture a lot. I'm scripture heavy um, in this. I, I don't really use much of my own words. I just keep repeating Bible verses. Now, the point is with the colors is too, is it really pops. It grabs people's attention, hence like this shirt, which is kind of that 
neon greeny kind of construction safety green yellow kind of thing it really pops and that dark when light hits it, it glows so uh, it's very easy to stand out in the crowds and the words it's very simple jesus christ is god on the back right repent and believe the gospel it's, it's short simple sweet to the point so it sticks in people's mind that's what you want you want it to stick in their mind you don't want to complicate it you want to keep it simple short and easy something that they can quickly uh, grasp a hold of and it don't t doesn't take them a lot of time to try to get the point who do you represent what you're all about now um, i also have a couple different things now you can get uh belt bags now, i put some carabiners in i attach this to the loops on my on my pants and i put tracks I put a bible in there some tracks whatever to carry all my material with me so it's, it keep everything organized so it's easier to access you can have carry bags you can um all different kinds of ideas with there now what bible you bring is up to you i talked about before about waterproof bibles that are great so you don't have to worry about weather or people throwing things or spitting or whatever that most likely will never happen but it's always handy to have anyways uh so yeah so there are some ideas uh, everything to sidewalk chalk use sidewalk chalk write bible verses on the sidewalk there's tons of ideas out there it's use your imagination how can i get the gospel out um you could anywhere from sending a text emails writing letters or if you have your own little home business every time you send out a package put a put put a a, a, a bible a new testament or a gospel track with it send it out um you go through all of your your contacts is copy paste a gospel presentation and send it to every single contact person in your email chain why not so there's lots of ideas out there things that you can do but the point is is what is the gospel how can i share it just that think about that think about that now along with this uh well, comes a an extreme need to keep yourself in prayer and fasting prayer and fasting and devotion uh, a maintenance of seriousness of this is a very serious thing it's not a game this is not meant as just you know personal lifestyle enjoyment kind of thing this is a serious serious thing you're an ambassador of the kingdom of god and you're presenting the gospel of salvation of our lord god jesus christ is a very serious thing but again it's a joyous message he saves by grace he did all the work and he calls calls all men everywhere to repentance believe on the lord jesus christ and thou shalt be saved it's so simple it's so simple and and joyous now different ways you go about this you see people going out in uh, apologetic styles using apologetics uh like uh ray comfort with living waters uh other others out there where they get there and they challenge people to questions kind of thing uh uh you go there you got the biblical purist uh, styles like uh, george whitfield method where they, it's it's just only scripture presentation out there just quoting scripture that's my method um then there's um debate styles you hold debates of people in presentation but again the point is are you trying to win the argument or the soul you want to bring it around to christ how you go about it is up to you and modify it to your style your method but again it's all supposed to be about who is jesus and what did he do for me 
What did he do for you? And you want to be able to present that incompetence. So people may come up and ask you all kinds of other questions. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get sidelined. Don't get pulled off into arguments or whatever. You want to stay on point. You control the conversation. You are under no obligation to have to answer everybody's questions. Is you want to stay on point, stay on target, because you're going to get people sent by the devil himself to try to get you off topic, get you rattled, all kinds of stuff, stay on point, on, on target. And if they don't want to listen, pack up, move to the next corner, go somewhere else. Uh, uh, just tell them once, try to tell them once, and keep it simple as that. All right? Now, um, Angela says, I keep forgetting to ask God for help. I keep thinking that I have to do it. On my own no see he goes with you he goes with you in all things that so when you're standing there and you're telling them whether one-on-one -on -one or a crowd and street preaching or whatever else he's right there with you and he's in it we're all with you and he wants to he wants you to dwell on him to abide on him to trust in him to lean on him for everything he'll give you the very words open the mouth wide open thy mouth wide and I will fill it I will give thee the words with which to say in the very same mouth so don't worry about that that's the whole point is you memorize the verses he brings up the memory the recall the recall is all of him it's all of him so you don't have to worry about that so yeah abby has a question at what at what age can we start to teach our children the gospel why delay why delay i'm late to the live streams so i'm not sure if you answered this already no uh but for for uh evangelism for children One sec. Now, this one is a different one. This is called the Picture Bible. I grew up with one of these. The Picture Bible. Now, the one I, I like to get is a modernized uh, one. Uh, really good. It's called the Action Bible. But for little kids, um, as it's hard for them just to sit there and just listen to, to the Bible because, you know, the way their minds are, the way they are, you know, ADD and everything else. And little little kids uh, are hard to control. What what gets their attention is, is uh, sound, light, color, uh, things that really will jump out and grab their attention. So a best, a, a best way to do that, a great way to do that is something like this, is you get a, a comic book style style bible that walks you through great colors and illustrations and things that really grabs our attention um uh, i've actually shared uh, uh, given out uh, action bibles to a number of people who have little kids and they say changes everything uh, they sit down they, they they beg to hear it they beg to see it because they love it so looking at that now at what age well it's even when they're a little baby they don't even understand the point is is the word of God has power and it helps and as they grow up hearing it, hearing it and hearing it and hearing it, that it is that's where it starts to take root. The more they hear it, the more they want to they want to talk about, it, the more they want to ask questions about this, even when they're young. Uh, read Bible verses to them, talk about Jesus to them. So they grow up hearing that. It's to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it, is what scripture says. Now Again, uh, I, I strongly recommend checking out, you can get what's called the Action Bible. You can get it on christianbook.com or on Amazon. Uh, they both have it, but christianbook.com is cheaper for that, I believe. They also have, uh, often have sales on that item. Uh, the Action Bible, 
go check it out. They have a new one. It's a newer revision of it with uh, some more updated stuff, more uh, biblical stories in it. It's great. And I'll tell them and show them about Jesus and really help them with that. It's got a lot of scripture. It's really good. Uh, but for kids, again, it's turning meat into milk. Now, that's how I explain it. For adults, we turn milk into meat. And uh, we show them the deeper things. And the kids often won't be able to understand the deeper aspects. So you want to simplify it. So you want to learn how to paint pictures with verses. Look what the verse is saying. Now, how can you explain this very simply? So that's what you do with that. All right. So again, this whole broadcast is just about evangelism, about witnessing how to share the gospel. What is the gospel? And uh, again, uh, there's a, a lot of stuff in here that you can unpack. Please go through this again. Check this out. I'm just going to leave it at that very simply for today. So please make sure you go over this again. Share this around. If you appreciate this, give this a like, this a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe. Hit notification bell icon so you know we put up new videos. And with this video, there's a couple others that I recommended. And it'll be in the same playlist. According to the Bible, scroll down. I have a video on, according to the Bible, what is repentance? What is grace? What is uh, what is faith? And all these things. And there's another playlist of according to the Bible. No, not according to the Bible. Uh, uh, proving once saved, always saved. Uh, showing what is works, what is righteous works, what is law keeping, what is what is religion, um, and uh, what what is once saved, always saved. Make sure you check out those videos. Uh, the more you familiarize yourself with these doctrines, with these kinds of things, the more it can help you. Use your sanctified imagination. How can I go about this? Um, to everything, now, you know me, my style, I've worn this jacket on here many times, is this is my street preaching, my official street preaching jacket, as I, I'm, I mocked up. And it's got patches and things, uh, it's got the John 3.16 on the shoulders, got the preacher, got the cross pin on the back, it's a, you know, Christian on the back. Uh, the whole point is to stand out. You want to stand out. You want to grab their attention. And often I'll, I'll wear this either under the jacket or wear this itself because uh, it really stands out. It grabs their attention it, it's so that people see you. When they see you, when they see these signs, the bright yellow, bright red, and the, the very bright colors, that this image is seared into their mind. These verses, they're quick, simple verses like this. Because what you want people to do is you want to hear about Christ. Now, people are often go going somewhere, coming from somewhere, and they don't have a lot of time to stand around. Especially when you're witnessing to people in the street, handing out tracts, where people don't often have like an hour to, to waste standing around kind of thing. So you want to simplify it, keep it short, keep it simple. Royal George sermons are great, but not everybody's going to stand around and listen to a whole sermon. So this is where one of the styles, one of the methods that I use is uh, stoplight preaching. The time it takes for the light to go from red to green, green to red, is that's how often you refresh it. Keep it short, like one minute, two minute, whatever, over and again. And say the same things over and over and over and over and over again. And you never get tired of it. Keep saying the same thing over again. So there are some things for you. Keep it short, keep it simple. Explain uh, how we are sinners, what the law is, how, learn how to use the law. It really helps. And again, rewatch this as I walk you through this to show you what it is and how to use it. And then you go right into the person of Christ who's the sacrificial atonement of who he is and what he did for us. And then when you see this, 
what must I do to be saved? Acknowledging this, confessing with, with your mouth the belief of your heart upon him, and you're saved by grace. Explaining what grace is. Uh, it's not by works, not by righteous works, not by law keeping, it's not by religiosity or traditionalism or any of that kind of thing. It's not by baptism, not by communion, not by confession box, not by some guy dressed as mother, what do we call father, or any of those kinds of things. It, it's by grace through faith are you saved by Jesus Christ. You're justified by faith in Christ. Have you put your faith upon Christ? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God manifested in the flesh, who saves by grace through faith by belief alone? So what scripture says, do you know for sure that if you were to die today, you'd be in the presence of God? I do. I know. And the Bible says that ye may know that ye have eternal life. How can you know? Because you believed. Because you have believed. Salvation is assured. Eternal security. That's what the Bible says. So there you go. Tons of stuff on there. If you want to know more, please let, let us know. If you have questions, ask it in the comments. And check out our other videos we have in the According to the Bible playlist and a bunch of other plays explaining the gospel and all that. You have tons and tons and tons of stuff on there, tons of goodies. So I just want to get this, this uh, simple topic today. I hope this has been a help. I hope this has been an encouragement. Uh, if, you, if you need to know more or whatever, let us know. We're more than happy to help you out. So with that, God bless you, folks. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.